Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Lori Clark Show. This episode of my podcast is brought to you with the help of ZoomUs, a video and audio conferencing interface. It's important to know that I'm in no way sponsored by Zoom. I just want to tell you how much I love it. It is very reliable, easy to use, and provides excellent audio and video files that my team and I produce to share the power of story with you. Another non-sponsored, couldn't do without, but just have to tell you how good it is, is Squarespace. When they say it is the all-in-one platform, it really is true. I go into the back end of my website multiple times a day, adjust things, post podcast, add links, and look at our show's analytics, which all sync across my devices. And when I need an image, Squarespace provides an excellent resource that's powered by Unsplash. Now for my most favorite feature, the Squarespace app. Um, Being a working mom, there never seems to be enough time in my day. So when my daughter's in ballet, I sit in my car and upload, post, and manage everything on my website from the app. It's really cool and seamless. Squarespace is really, really simple and very dedicated to helping me create a brand of excellence. So with that, big shout out to Zoom, Squarespace, and Unsplash. Thank you for helping me tell people's stories. With that said, let's move on to the best part about today, the show. Please allow me to welcome my next guest on The Lori Clark Show. One of the people on my staff has uh, PCOS, and it was really hard for her to get a diagnosis. Yep. So is this something that is very common that you find very common? Yes. Unfortunately, PCOS is a diagnosis of exclusion, meaning they kind of have to go through a process of, okay, you don't have hypothalamic amenorrhea. Okay, you don't have a thyroid disease. And then you get to the point where it's like, all right, it looks like it's PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is really just a way of saying you have imbalanced hormones. And that kind of um, expresses itself so differently in different people that that's why it's sometimes tricky to get that diagnosis. I mean, this is happening for young, young women. What is going on? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And I'm only in my mid-20s, um, so I don't have, you know, all the experience of having children or anything yet. Yeah. But I was diagnosed at a really, really young age. I was diagnosed when I was 14. and instantly I was bombarded with that information of, oh, you need to just exercise more, eat less, try low carb, try all these different diets. And I was so confused, which is what led me to do all this research and eventually get my degree in nutrition and um, kind of pursue this path of specializing in PCOS. So um, um, let's just share with our, uh, would you just share with our listeners uh, and the viewers here that um, exactly, so you have, um, you have a degree, did you say? Yes. So I have my bachelor's in dietetics and I'm currently going through an internship process to kind of get some experience in the field. And then I will be um, taking a test to get my credentials as a dietitian and pursuing my master's 
and furthering my education that way. Wow. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. And so then you, um, but you also have a lot of education in nutrition and this is how you can say the things that you say with great confidence. Yeah. Um, my four-year degree definitely helps with that. <laughs> and throughout that, I was able to do all of my research projects in with PCOS and talk with my professors and talk and do research with different um, specialists on PCOS specifically because I knew from the get-go that's what I wanted to learn about because it's something I struggled with and I wanted to figure it out for myself and then also eventually help others to, you know, figure out what's going on in their bodies and how they can help it through lifestyle changes without having to be crazy restrictive and um, feel like you're giving up all of your favorite foods. I know. This is the thing. And, and I really appreciate what you just said there because your, your personality on PCOS.positivity is to me so authentic. Like you talk about body type and you talk about, look, this is who we are. You know, this is, this is um, a healthy way to look at your body and you are so authentic and it comes through. And, and I always believe that when we have that experience, when we have a life experience and we say, you know what, I want to talk to people about this. That's when that vulnerability and that rawness and the reality of it all um, comes across the, um, through Instagram, through the airwaves, and it makes it very authentic. So I want to thank you for that because this was created because of your own experience. You're 14 at the time. You are feeling what? Overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. Lost and alone. That was probably the biggest thing. I luckily I did have my mom who had gone through similar experiences with her PCOS and Hashimoto's. And um, so she was able to kind of give me that comfort of, look, I made it through. I've been able to live a full life and you can do the same. And it was just about me figuring out how to apply that to my life specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of, I mean, we all kind of have our own journey with this and coming to accept that it is just a part of our life. We can't necessarily change the fact that we're diagnosed with PCOS. Yeah. There's certain things you can't change, but your perspective on it and the way you view it and the way you handle it is what we have control over. And so that's what I try to do. And I, I do try to do it in a positive and authentic way because I feel like that's what our world needs. We have so much information and we can be really negative and get down on ourselves about this um, diagnosis we have, or we can take it, embrace it, accept it, figure out how to handle it, and then live our life how we want and hmm. enjoy it. So that's my goal is to help everyone feel empowered rather than confused or lost or alone. So if someone is confused, and they're 14 and they don't really know, what is the first step when you're, when you're dealing with the confusion, if you can bring yourself back to that time, what was it for you and how did you sort through that? A lot of it for me was understanding what PCOS was. I wasn't really 
I didn't know what it was happening in my body. And I just felt like I had this dark cloud looming over me of PCOS. And I was like, well, what's, what's going on? So understanding and getting to know my hormones that there was insulin resistance and that's where my body couldn't digest sugars as well as other people. Or I had inflammation, which was my body reacting to the fact that something was wrong and it was trying to help me. Um, And finding ways to help those specific issues is what really got me through that. So I'd say if you are confused, we do have the blessing of internet and social media. There's a lot of information out there, which also means there's a lot of misinformation. Well, yeah, I was going to say that. (laughs) It's full sand. Yep. Finding credible sources where you can learn about what's going on in your body. Yeah. Just getting to know that and explore it. Look at it as an experiment of, okay, I'm going through this. I'm going to figure out what works for me because it is so individual. It's so unique. So if you can view it as an experiment rather than judging yourself for feeling bad or Mm. down on it, that's a really good way to come at it and um, find something that's going to work for you for the rest of your life. Well, and when you say experiment, that immediately takes the sting and the pressure and overwhelm out because naturally by its very, you know, definition, it is just trial and error. So that's what you're asking people to do. Look, if you feel this, then here's, this is the first thing you want to do is begin to think, ah, this is really an experiment. This is okay. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And knowing that you're not alone, that this is a common disorder with somewhere between 10 to 20% of women struggling with this. And so just knowing that fact alone, that you're not alone, there's resources out there to help you get through this can be very comforting. Okay, so then let, let's move to what this really is. And now, you have, um, so because of your education, you will have a pretty clear view of the actual definition of PCOS. Go ahead and tell us, give us what it is. What are we looking for here? Yeah, so to be diagnosed with PCOS originally, yeah. you have to have two of the three criteria which is an irregular period, um, which is probably the most easy telltale sign of PCOS, high androgens, which is testosterone. It's a hormone in your body. And they can test this through a blood test. That's the most common way they look at that. Or over, or they call them (laughs) cysts, but they're really just immature follicles on the ovaries. So that's what some people call like the string of pearls that yeah. you see in the US, and they detect that through an ultrasound. Okay, so go back to the androgens, so the testosterone. How did, you, how did that show itself in your body as a 14-year-old? So this, a lot of times we associate it, testosterone, with the male hormone. Yes. So it does. It brings a lot of those kind of male features or symptoms like acne, facial hair or body hair, um, hair loss on your head. So male pattern balding. Yeah. Um, And then some of the weight gain around the midsection can be another sign of that. Um, And yeah, those are some of the most common kind of symptoms that you see. An irregular period, but that happens with that. 
that happens. Like so many girls are like, well, I, you know, and then the doctor goes, oh, well, let's put you on the pill. Mm -hmm. So then what does that do? Does that tend to, from your experience with that mask? Totally. It's kind of, I like to refer to birth control as kind of this like band-aid we put on our problems to kind of suppress those symptoms because it will, it'll kind of counteract that hormone imbalance for a while. Um, But many of us with PCOS have experienced once you get off that pill, then these symptoms will kind of hit you like a brick wall. So learning how to control your PCOS, even if you are on the pill and if that's the route you want to go, that's great, but still learning how to control it and what underlying issues are there is going to help you. So if you choose to get off the pill at any point, your symptoms are already going to be under control because your hormones will be able to bounce back to normal levels versus the the, the spiky craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and let's be clear. Um, the birth control pill is a great thing if you're sexually active. That's what you want to do. That is absolutely a responsible and an appropriate thing to do um, when you are a young woman um, and an older woman, however old you are, get on that pill. But but if you are if you are not of an age where you are you know sexually active and you are experiencing things, symptoms like you said, acne. Uh, irregular periods, and the doctor says, let's get you on the pill, then you want to look at this and say to yourself, okay, so there's something underneath here. Would you say that for every um, uh, symptom present in the body, there is a root cause for it? Most definitely. And that's The majority of what I do when I work one-on-one with clients or in group settings is trying to figure out what is really causing all these. All these issues are stemming from something, that root cause underneath there. Sometimes it can be insulin resistance, inflammation, gut health. All those things are going to play into it. And figuring out where your issues are coming from is going to help you get the proper treatment to help all of your symptoms rather than just trying to knock them down one at a time. It's easier to, you know, yeah, get a handle of it from where it's all stemming from. Sure. And so then I would, I wrote this down um, in my notes and of course I wrote it down now, but so I, I wrote it down and I titled it the big three because it seems like We've got insulin resistance, inflammation, and we have um, gut health. And those three things together work together to create a balanced, harmonious system. And so would you say there's more that it's not big three, it's big five? Or would you say, no, that, those, are some of the, those are the top three things that you really want to look at here? Those three, I would say, are probably the most um, basic ones. But then, of course, you have the kind of nuances within those of you also have low progesterone or high estrogen. And you get into the individual hormones themselves and kind of have to see how that plays into it as well. Well, and see, and here's the thing. So I'm 45. I think I've had this. I mean, I look at everything that you say and I go, "Mm, yeah, okay, that's me. And and it was, uh, I remember 
it not being discussed as PCOS with my naturopath. I'm more of a holistic approach to things. So I use both. I, uh, right now, 45 years old, I have, I had this thing where I bled for 79 days. And right. And you're looking at me going, yeah. So I bled for seven, nine days and it was not like bleeding, gentle, you know, period bleeding. It was heavy, heavy clot. I had to go to emerge. It was just coming out. I went through pads and pads and pads. I could have invested in the stocks. I mean, it was just ridiculous what happened. And when I went to my naturopath and we were discussing and we did this big hormone test and it came out that I had low, low progesterone. So they obviously, uh, and she told me just before Christmas, 2019, she said, you have insulin resistance. There you go. I was like, what does that mean? She said, well, you know, you, you, you're going now, correct me. I might've misheard her. Would you say that insulin resistance is a pre before pre diabetes? Yes. So okay. it's a it's a precursor to diabetes. So in some ways, um, it can you can be pre diabetic and have insulin resistance, or you can have insulin resistance that's right there, kind of on the verge of fitting into that frame of being pre diabetic or diabetic. Okay. So, and that was my situation. So this was, this was before I did 79 days of bleeding and I started making adjustments and then, and cortisol, like, you know, all of a sudden you're sleeping away and it's two in the morning. You're like, okay, so what am I going to do now? (laughs) And you right. You just can't like, and, and, and we're, so how old do you, can you be for PCOS? And, you know, if you've had it and you're like me, and I think I've been walking around for years like this, um, help me. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important when you mentioned how many people struggle with irregular periods and these things. And I have people constantly come to me and say, how do I even know if I have PCOS? You're saying these things sounds like me, but I've never heard of this. Don't even know where to go from here. And I, we now call periods and cycles kind of a vital sign of health in your body. And so if it is irregular looking at talking to your primary care physician, a gynecologist, someone that you trust and asking, saying, hey, I have irregular periods and I'd like to know why, that's a really great point to start at to figure out if this is something that you struggle with. Because it is it can affect your day-to-day living. It can affect you for 79 days and it gets in the way of just your life and getting a hold on that earlier in life is helpful um, because it really, even when you do hit menopause, it doesn't necessarily go away. It kind of will shift the issues, but- Oh, uh, you're, okay, really, really? (laughs) I'm sorry to break it to you. I was talking about this to my mom yesterday and she was like, I thought I would hit menopause and it would all go away. Um, But there are still some things that you have to take care of. So so tell me, because there's probably a woman who is moving through menopause here who's listening to this. So what what, what would happen to them? What would happen to her? 
So when you hit menopause, a lot of times your hormones, the production of your hormones just drops dramatically. Um, So you'll see some of those issues go away, but there still can be, I mean, the irritability, the mood swings, the headaches, the sleep apnea, um, those all can kind of still be there lingering if you haven't had those hormones looked at. And, um, but there, there's lifestyle ways to approach that. There's supplements that you can look at, medications, and kind of taking that holistic functional approach of, okay, this is something that's not going to just be a short-term fix. How can I incorporate things into my life that are going to help long-term? Maybe it's as simple as planning a walk into your schedule every day to kind of help boost some hormones or decrease cortisol, whatever it is to help you get through that. So, you know, it was interesting because I said to my assistant just before I came on, I said, you know what, Amberly, I'm really sick and tired of there always being an issue. Right. (laughs) I know. I just said, you know, if it's not, you know, um, bleeding for 79 days, it's insulin resistance. If it's not, you know, insulin resistance and bleeding for 79 days, it's waking up at two in the morning. If it's not, it's adrenal fatigue, which I have. If it's not, it's a stressful um, childhood. If it's not, I just, it feels to me like overwhelm. Yes. And because there's so much going on, especially as a woman, we're dealing with so many things, body image, how we think about ourselves, how other people see us. We're dealing with guilt. We're dealing with shame. We're dealing with, you know, oh, I want to eat well, but now I have an unhealthy relationship with food because now, you know, I'm, I want to eat 10 donuts right now. <laughs> And it is hard because PCOS, in some ways, it almost feels like your body has betrayed you, that there's something wrong with it. It doesn't work right. And it can be extremely frustrating. And I felt that. Um, But we can kind of, again, try and find that shift in the way we view it as it's our body's way of trying to communicate with us. It's trying to tell us there's something up and I need you to help me. And it's giving us all these little puzzle pieces and we just have to find a way to put those together to figure out those signals that our body is sending us. So this was important what you said, because that 14 year old girl or 12 year old girl, wherever she's at might not understand um, this idea. Just like, you know, we're giving people the power of possibility, you and me right now. And this is why I love this, this conversation, because who wouldn't want to inspire and, and give people, you know, the ability to rise and to see this from a new perspective. And I want to thank you again for, for doing that. So when someone comes in and they see you, and maybe it's a dad that brings in his daughter and says, would you please give us some insight? We are struggling here. She's 13. She's 14. Um, there's overwhelm and we feel like her body is not working and you say the word, well, it feels like a betrayal, doesn't it? How do you unpack that? Because that's such an emotional feeling because the body is supposed to be working with us and we always think it about it that way. But in this case, we're eating the food and the food is working 
against us. We're eating carrots. We're eating celery. We're eating nuts. But you're saying, when I look through your Instagram feed, yeah, but if you're not eating a carrot with hummus, it's not working. And that's like bashing your head against a wall. <laughs> it is. And it, it is hard, but I always want people to know that whatever, wherever you are, again, there is hope. There is a way and it can be, it can fit right into your life. Okay. If, <laughs> if have, I hear this all the time, especially with PCOS. They come to me saying, well, my my doctor told me I need to watch the carbs, lose weight. They have a grocery list of things they need to do. And I look at that and we say, okay, well, why is it that they want these things to happen? Okay. They want that to help your insulin resistance. Well, let's look at how insulin works in our body. It essentially insulin is a key to kind of help sugar get into our cells where it turns into energy. So if that lock is worn down and that key's not working quite right, there's things we can do to help it. We can balance our meals. We can, and that slows down the digestion to kind of give us that extra time to open that key, that door to let in the sugar. If you're hungry, listening to your body and listening to those hunger cues is going to help stabilize that blood sugar. That's going to help insulin. So it doesn't have to be these crazy life changes that turn your world upside down to manage PCOS. Just small, manageable tweaks in the way that we do things day to day is going to make the long-term difference. So when you say insulin resistance and you, and you use the analogy of a lock and a key with a door, so you put the key in and you open the door and you want to open it slowly because define this force, bring this out because this is really, really important. Yeah. So the way I look at it, our body has these little cells. They're kind of like houses or apartments and that's where the magic happens. That's where the sugar gets turned into energy. And in order to get into that apartment, though, we need this insulin. In PCOS, we tend to have naturally high insulin. We're not sure exactly why that happens. It's just another hormone that is imbalanced, so it's just naturally high. And essentially, you have 10 people or roommates, however you want to look at it, family members, that all have this insulin key trying to get into the house. So it's going to wear down that lock. Mm. It makes it harder to open it. And then as you continue to go, it takes longer to open the door because that lock is worn down and your body recognizes that and says, the lock's not working. Maybe we should send more keys. So then it sends more insulin and you kind of get in this vicious cycle of too much insulin. And then you have too much sugar sitting in your blood waiting to get into the cells or the little house. So it can get a little complicated, but again, you just have to look at it as, okay, my body's kind of struggling. It has this issue. How can I help it? What is going to be the best thing for it? And it's just giving it some extra time. So being, you know, again, pairing, let's say toast, putting some peanut butter on it that has some extra protein and fat is going to slow down the breakdown of the sugars to kind of spread out how many family members are trying to get into the house at once. (laughs) 
So then you have that time for every single person to open the key, get in there, sugar gets digested, and then you have your energy. So it just slows down the process a little bit and gives your body time to catch up. Wow. That was a lot to process. (laughs) I loved every word you said because that's really the issue. It's too much. And that's what, that's what my naturopath said. She goes, you know, Lori, that's the thing. It's too much sitting in your blood. Your, your liver isn't processing. It's not working. And so what happens is anything you do, like if I have a glass of wine, it kicks half that wine right back out into my, my bloodstream, mm-hmm. especially if you're eating bread or you're eating uh, whatever, you know? I mean, it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? It is. I love this stuff. That's why I decided to go down this route. But. So while we're on insulin resistance, I think we should really just um, take people through, I'm um, just thinking, okay, how do we necessarily give this a full poll here? But we're talking about insulin resistance. So how about we put that on pause? We move to some common symptoms that I think that what you've said is that people don't really know that these are the symptoms. So you talked about acne, hair loss, you talked about those kinds of things, but let's go to like chronic fatigue. Um, Is IBS a thing? Uh, What about anxiety? What about depression? So can we talk about that? And then after we talk about the common symptoms, then let's begin to say, okay, so if you can identify these things, then how would we have breakfast? How would we have a snack? How would we have lunch and go that way? And then we'll talk about inflammation and gut health. I think that's sort of the structure in terms of how we could do this. Yeah. Sounds great. Um, as far as symptoms go, you can kind of break it down by your root cause. So if you have insulin resistance, let's say common symptoms of that are increased cravings. If you feel like you're craving, especially carbs all the time, that's a sign of insulin resistance. Or you feel hungry all the time. Abnormal hunger can be a sign. You also have, uh, let's see, with insulin resistance specifically, you might struggle with the, again, midsection weight gain. And what what about like headaches? Yeah, that's more with inflammation, but you can have headaches with insulin resistance, especially oh. if you have really low or really high blood sugar and you're getting those kind of spikes and drops. Does dizziness fit in there somewhere? What was that? Dizziness? Dizziness, yes, it can. But that's also, again, goes right along with hunger. If you get really hungry or yeah. your blood sugar is really low, that's where you'll feel the dizziness come in. Okay, okay, okay. So... PCOS specific, um, the high blood pressure is common with PCOS. And then if you struggle with inflammation, you mentioned a lot of these, the chronic fatigue, hair loss, headaches or migraines, um, anxiety and depression, um, painful periods. So if you get a lot of the cramping, um, like it feels, it feels like the period is sticky almost, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good it, way to put it. It wants to come out and it's trying to push it out, but it's just, it's not quite making that happen. What about bloating? And is that more gut health? That's totally right there with inflammation and gut health really do go hand in hand. But yes, the bloating, 
um, the irritable bowel syndrome, which is essentially any sort of nausea or um, irritation you might feel in your digestive system after eating or any time really. Yeah. Um, the nausea in general, food sensitivities, all those go right along with it. Yeah. So when you think about it, people are like, wow, PCOS affects everything. Well, yes, hormones run our body. So. I was just going to say. <laughs> right. So any imbalance is going to affect all these things. And it's just figuring out where your struggles are coming from. Um, so this is interesting because um, one, of the, one of the members of my team said that when she eats a carb, let's say, it like takes her out. It just, she feels heavy and tired. And, and that's because the sugar from that carb is, there's like 15 keys for one door lock. Is that what you're saying? Yes. yes. Exactly. You nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And it can, it can fill, um, when you have a lot of carbs at once, um, or especially what we consider to be different, I, the foods have different, how do we put this? They each have unique properties. We can't deny that. Yeah. And I am of the mindset that you can add foods rather than focus on taking foods away. So if maybe you struggle with feeling really tired after eating or your energy is just gone after eating any sort of carbohydrates, I'd say, okay, let's look at why that's happening. Now, what can we add to it that's going to help that? Rather than saying you can never have carbs again, what's, what's going to help that? What can we add? And again, adding something that has more fiber in it, that has more fat or protein in it, um, and just pairing those together is what's going to help get through that. Because it is hard. And then again, there's you just have to figure out what works for you. So but, for some then, but then you're eating for insulin resistance plus inflammation plus gut health. Yep. So driving to the nearest burger joint isn't always going to be the best solution or the best idea. But then how do you, before we jump into all these other things, how do you manage a healthy relationship with food? Because on the one side, you're, you're metering out all of the intake. Well, I'm going to have this and I got to have this, but I have to have this with this. And, and then you become anxious and, and maybe obsessed. And stressed, which and stressed. is all for hormones. <laughs> so please help us. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first thing to help rebuild your relationship with food is to get rid of labels on your food and to really figure out why you have a rough relationship with food. Okay. So honestly, the majority of us as kids grew up hearing about healthy and unhealthy foods, yeah. good and bad foods. And that of course is no fault of our parents. It's just the world we live in. But trying to figure out where did those ideas come from? Why do I think it's bad for me to eat certain foods? Um, where, who told me these things? Yeah. And kind of unpacking all of that baggage we bring with us around food and nutrition is the first thing you can do before you can implement any sort of 
um, additional nutrition to help PCOS. Once you kind of get through that and figure out where these ideas come from, how you feel about food, you can start to rebuild that. And I always talk to my clients about really almost rediscovering food in a way, trying cool. it in a new way without any labels and saying, what do I like about this food? Oh, I love that it's creamy or soft or refreshing or fresh. And it kind of builds your own perspective on these foods versus what the world tells you to think about food. I love that. So you're saying that you're not going, oh, I just, okay, okay, so let's use an example because here, here it is. Um, it's 3.30, I'm craving chocolate, I need a little pick-me-up, I really want a chocolate, I really want sugar, I need something sugary. Tell me how to reframe that and look at it in an intuitive sense that pulls the label off of chocolate, pulls the label off of, I need a pick-me-up, I need sweets. How would you frame it? So I would start with, what is it that's really pulling me to want chocolate? Is it something that's given you comfort in the past? Is it just, mm. do you like the taste of it? Do you like the fact that it gives you a break from your whatever you're doing? Does it give you that kind of stress relief? And then, sure, give yourself that. But notice that it is more of a mental hunger maybe than a physical hunger. Um, but then say, that's still, we need that. Sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we need that pick-me-up, and that's fine. Give yourself some chocolate, and then look at it and say, how can I add to this food to help my body? So we have chocolate. Maybe if you enjoy dark chocolate, going that route as it has more antioxidants that might help your inflammation or adding some nuts to it and having some chocolate and nuts as a little snack. That's going to help balance out that carbohydrate with some more protein and fat if you're struggling with insulin resistance and still allowing yourself to have that, but reframing it in a way of this is why I'm having it and this is how I'm going to add to it to help my body as well. Easy as that. It just changed my life. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for doing that. That is not how I think. Yeah, we're so used to thinking, oh, I'm, I'm hungry, but yeah. I can't eat for another hour. Or, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. not supposed to have this. Or, that's going to be bad for me. Well, why is it that you want that? What, what's going to fulfill that need in your life? And sometimes we don't have access to that food right away. And that's when you kind of look at, all right, well, what else do I have? What's available to me? Well, I, and sometimes I need food to anchor me because I'm in, I'm in my office. And so I'm, I'm doing my work, I'm doing my thing, and I really don't want to work on that one project. So I yeah. run out and I go and get something. <laughs> yeah. And I feel it. I, I, I feel it. I'll have I'll have, you know, some chips or, or, and a lot of times, I mean, I'm a healthy eater. I mean, I eat a lot of, you know, fruits and vegetables and things like that, but, but I do tend to, you know, play more towards the sweet and the carb. And that's the thing is that I have all the symptoms, uh, um, most of these symptoms that you have discussed and I look at it and I go, yeah, see, that's the problem is I've had it for years and years, and years, and years. I think I've had it since I was 14. 
Like I probably. So is there a point to discovery? Is there a point where we just go, Oh, I know. And is there a point that it, you manage it until it just goes away or is this forever? That is a loaded question. And I wish I knew the exact answer. Okay, so maybe I should just ask you again. So <laughs> I really want you to say to me, Lori, X, Y, Z equals here. Oh, it's done. No, I wish, I mean, I've been doing this for years and I still will have what I call flare ups. So I'll notice all of a sudden my acne is kind of coming back or maybe I have a cycle that's a little bit off that I'm not used to. And then again, I just look at it as, huh, what's, what's going on in my body? I have been a little more stressed lately. Is that playing into it? How can I help that? Well, maybe I'll include some more anti-inflammatory foods that are going to help with my stress management or do some more meditation or yoga that's going to help with that. Right. And find ways that you can, you know, just readjust, realign yourself and keep going forward. But it's always a discovery and a learning process. It honestly never goes away. Well, what are you thinking about those women who are on the pill? Because I was having a conversation with someone um, just the other day and we were talking about being on the pill and her body is really having a hard time with that. Like, it seems like there's a layer of, uh, like water retention. It mm-hmm. seems like, and she, and she said, Oh, well, I, I get bloated. And then some days I'm not. And one day I'll wake up and I'll be this. And the next day I'll go to bed and I'll wake up and I'll be, you know, uh, less bloated. And then there's this eczema that is just crazy. And so, and some acne and different things like that. So You've got people like that. Now, she, I think, is in her 20s. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So how do you say, okay, well, she needs to still be on the pill. That's her, that's important to her. So how do you maintain working around all of this whilst being on the pill? For sure. And I work with clients every single day that choose to be on the pill. And I 100% support them in that. And you can still manage those underlying hormones while on the pill. And these behaviors that we implement, listening to your body and eating when you're hungry and being able to recognize when you're full, um, learning how to incorporate these beneficial foods into your diet that are hormone friendly or implementing joyful movement where you find ways that you love moving your body that help you feel good. All those things are going to improve your health and help you regardless if you're on the pill or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first thing we always look at is, okay, what's kind of your day-to-day activity, sure. nutrition, what's your relationship with food and how can we improve that? And then looking at those symptoms that might be suppressed a bit because of the hormone pills or any other hormonal birth control, but you can still see those little symptoms come up here and there. But on the the hormonal birth control, let's just follow that for a second because here's my question then. If you're on the hormonal birth control pill, you are getting a measure of balance. Yeah. 
right? It's just all these other components. Right. Okay. Now, spikes in sugar is connected to insulin resistance. Correct. Okay. So that's what happens when I drink a can of Coke and the buzz happens. Mm-hmm. Right? That's a sugar spike or a slurpee or a, uh, whatever it is. Um, so the inflammation in our bodies then, that shows up as ache, aches, um, what else? What else are we looking at? I kind of like to describe it as like a sunburn inside your body. <laughs> so it's kind of like, yeah. yeah, it's just that kind of swelling or achiness. Um, and that is what kind of causes fatigue because your body's basically fighting what it thinks to be a sort of infection. It thinks it's trying to help by healing the inside of your body when really there's nothing there to heal. Okay. And then the gut health. So you say that the gut health is directly connected. And this always, this always is just so exciting to me. I love this combination of gut health. And because, you know, I've been doing um, some research on gut health myself, and I just, I'm really amazed at the, the microbiome inside the gut and how much power it has. It gets often referred to as a second brain even. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, And that's where our body derives all of its nutrients. So if there is something going on where your gut isn't functioning correctly, you might be missing out on some sort of nutrients that is directly affecting the hormones and the way your body's functioning. So if we can address that and figure out, all right, is there a bacteria that's just not present the way it needs to be in your gut? Is there some sort of environmental factor that's affecting the way your food is being digested? Um, If we can help that, it'll consequently help the rest of your body because it is, like you said, it's a second brain. What about candida? Does candida and like the yeast overgrowth, does that affect um, PCOS in any way? I'm not really sure with that one. I'd have to look more into it. Mm -hmm. Um, But any... I mean, it's our whole body is always connected. So I'm well. Candida has that effect on the gut health, and so if you've got someone who's eaten tons of carbs, lots of sugar, you know, all these, you know, uh, lots of young people today are eating in a very in a very different way, lots of processed foods, and and so you get this overgrowth of um, candida in your body that could maybe affect the hormone balance, but that's another topic to, to talk about because, um, you know, I always like asking those questions and then, you know, it's always important when you, when you know you need to do more research, let's do it. Right. I mean, it can't harm anybody. Um, so, um, low and high est- like, so low, hot or high estrogen, low or high progesterone is also something. Would you recommend that um, a young woman take a hormone test and just sort of get a read on her hormone and then go and take that as a basis? Yes. If you have the opportunity, of course, there is a level of privilege here being able to go and get a blood test and have insurance or the 
financial means to do so. Yes. Um, but if you have that availability, 100%, it can be an incredible window into your body, what's going on, and give you kind of an insight of, all right, these are where the imbalances are, and then finding someone that can help you to correct that. If someone cannot afford a hormone test, then how do you just, you could go to your doctor? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I go to, I would say go to your doctor and see what tests are available to you. Um, There are, I mean, they can do blood work that way through your healthcare provider. Um, There's also what's called the Dutch test, which is kind of an at home um, urine test that you can send in the mail and they'll send you results that way, which is helpful if you find it anxious to go to the doctor and things like that. Um, if you're looking at going on the route of like fertility, which is where a lot of people discover that they have PCOS, your fertility specialist will most certainly be doing plenty of blood work. So, sure. So let's talk about, um, when you have PCOS, is there always weight gain? No, (laughs) the common misconception but there, you can gain weight. You might not. Again, weight is just a symptom. So just like some people with PCOS experience acne, others don't. Some with PCOS may experience the weight gain, while others don't. It's just a very individual, I mean, diagnosis, and it just expresses itself in different ways in different bodies. Can we talk about fertility? Yes. You said that this is how a lot of women have um, have uh, been introduced to PCOS because they are finding that they are not able to get pregnant. Now, is this because of the irregular, or, um, irregular period and also just that the hormones are, they, it can't sustain a balance in order to create the life within? Correct. So with irregular periods, the key here is ovulation. If you're not having a period, the likelihood that you're ovulating regularly isn't very high. (laughs) So um, in addition to having a regular period, you also want to make sure that your body is ovulating, which is just where the follicle is dropped into the ovaries, essentially. Um, But yes, any sort of imbalance in those hormones may cause the lining to not build up and that might be causing an irregular period. The follicle itself might not be developing fully because it doesn't have the hormones there to support it. And that's going to cause immature follicles like we talked about um, yeah. or the curls. You might not be having a drop in progesterone and estrogen to induce that period. Um, so your body's just not getting that signal that it needs to shed the lining. So there's multiple steps within the cycle where PCOS can affect it. And it's, again, finding where what's causing that irregular period and where that disconnect is kind of happening. And when you talk about uh, fertility for women, is it, is it always a factor? PCOS always a factor in infertility? Not necessarily. Um, it, Again, it's 
just depends how your body handles it. So infertility is just another symptom. Uh, right. But if you are struggling with infertility, just know that there are so many resources out there and it is possible to get pregnant with PCOS. That's another misconception. I'm just going to ask you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's 100% possible to get pregnant if that's something that you want in your life. And it's just about finding the right resources. Um, you can get pregnant naturally sometimes. Sometimes it does take some intervention. But whatever happens, just know that there is hope out there. <laughs> yes. And so then you are a coach. You can coach people through this. Yes. Um, I currently right now have a group of five women that are all in the fertility process and we meet together weekly just to kind of talk about what they're going through and awesome. give them tips of the nutrition and lifestyle changes to help them on that journey wherever they're at. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. And, yeah. uh, and you also walk people through who are not trying to get pregnant and you walk them through this journey as well. Yep. So whatever their goals are, whether that's to have regular cycles or just heal their relationship with food and find that food freedom or get rid of some of those other symptoms like acne or hair loss, whatever their concerns are, we can create goals from that and use nutrition as that vehicle to get us there. What, in your opinion, is one of the healthy, healthier ways to heal the relationship with food? Because if, if, would you say that the cycle gets created when you have something like this showing up in your body? And then of course, then, then that's when all the things that we talked about previously start, start manifesting themselves. How would you, and what would you say to someone who, who you would like to say, look, here's, here's a few things to heal and to begin letting you think and open to freedom. Of, of how you think and relate to food. Yeah. What's interesting is with PCOS, you're almost, you're six times more likely to develop an eating disorder or disordered eating. And that connection really begins because of our need and desire to pursue weight loss and trying these diets, which really is us trying to help our PCOS, but inadvertently we're harming our bodies right and kind of putting it in this survival mode so my number one tip is to look at what resources are available to you whether that is a dietitian or a workbook or um i highly recommend intuitive eating is a framework of 10 steps that was originally developed by two dietitians elise resch and evelyn triboli and so their original book is incredible just to open up your mind to what a healthy relationship with food looks like. And they also have a workbook that can be a really great starting point to walk you through, okay, these are some of the changes I need to make, gives you those questions to kind of unpack some of our past experiences with food. Um, and that can be a really great starting point. Wow. Wow. That is, uh, I love that. And then of course that would then bring you into deeper relationship with your body and, and what your body's feeling. Right. Because the 
driving force behind implementing nutrition should really be a respect for your body. You're saying, this is my home. This is my body. This is what I'm going to be in the rest of my life. I want to treat it right. I want to give it things that's going to help it feel good. And it should be stemming from that rather than a place of um, hate or desire to change that. So rather than saying, I'm trying to punish my body by, you know, taking out carbs or exercising tons and tons of hours every single day, we want to say, okay, I'm going to add these foods in to help nourish my body, give it the fuel it needs, give it the extra little love it needs to function properly, especially with PCOS, and then go from there. We're waking up with new problems every day, and it feels like it's a never-ending cycle. So if you're not dealing with your period coming, you're worried about your period coming. If you're not having your period, you're worried about the pain. You're worried about what you're eating. How do you speak to the anxiety or the the way that we think about the body and anticipate and then it actually happens? Like the thing that we're afraid of, it actually happens. How would you speak to that? Again, just finding a way to trust your body mm-hmm. and know that your body's goal is to thrive. It wants to work. It wants to do the right things. It just sometimes doesn't know how to. So coming at it from a very compassionate view of, okay, my body's not working right. I'm worried that there's just going to be one problem after another. Again, just saying, okay, my body wants to do the right thing. So I just need to help give it the right things to get there. Um, but it is a process and it does take time and it can be scary. And I think that's important to recognize that being diagnosed with PCOS is scary. Um, Not knowing when your period is coming is scary and handling that. And it causes a lot of stress and that stress again, compounds on our issues. So trying to take a step back and look at the big picture and say, okay, what is my goal? How can I help my body? And using every day as an opportunity to build that trust between you and your body. I love that you said that. Every day is an opportunity to build trust with our body. When you say that, is it because at the very beginning of this conversation, we talked about betrayal, that we, in our mind, think, oh my gosh, my body's betrayed me. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing. Yeah, that's a real thing and it can be difficult. And even I still have those days where I wake up and I look at my body and I just think to myself, man, if I just didn't have PCOS, if I was just X, Y, or Z, if I looked a certain way or my body worked a different way, I would be happier. But then I have to take a second and realize, no, everyone has problems. There's things about my body I can't control. So again, you just have to focus on what you have control over, which is your thoughts and what you put into your body and how you move your body. Um, So just trying to move forward and recognize that, yeah, there are those bad days, but coming to that acceptance place and trying to neutralize those thoughts and say, having a hard day with my body. It's not working the way I want it to. And then just trying to accept it and say, this is the body I'm given. I'm going to do the best I can with it. 
I, I really like you. <laughs> Thank you. I like you too. <laughs> I like it. I like what you're saying. It sounds to me like you've really been here and done this and are still here, still doing it every single day. And that's why you can speak and say the things that you say that drop into my core and go, wow, that, that is beautiful to me. Lifestyle and supplements. Well, this leads us into that where the lifestyle that you've talked about, some of the things that you've said is to rediscover food. You've said to be in a, in a mindset of thriving, in a mindset that your body is home, that self-compassion and looking at yourself and saying, oh, you were made, you're so important and I want to have a trusting relationship with my body. Finding joy in the moment and with the food by um, reframing some of the things that you think about when you look at food. I want that sugar. No, I just want to, I just want something that's just gonna, you know, um, give me a sense of quiet for a moment. And when I'm thinking about it, it's chocolate and tea, right? So lifestyle, and you would add in a walk or meditation because Lots of people I've talked to, and, and some, and Amber Lee especially, she was saying to me, you can't exercise too hard because then you just totally drain your body and you're done. Like you, you have to do this low impact. So there's nothing quick <laughs> about PCOS. It's like it asks you to slow down. Yeah, that's honestly, your body is just trying to say, hey, I need a little break. So it's everything just needs to be slowed down a bit, which honestly um, is it's hard to do in the world we live in. We're so busy. We love that instant gratification, everything being there and quick. And it's hard to take a step back and say, okay, my body's telling me that I need to slow down, that today it's just going to be, you know, a little walk instead of a run, or it's going to be a couple minutes of lifting weights rather than a full on 30 minute hit cardio class. And that's okay. It's okay to listen to your body. Would you say that when you, um, cause Emily was saying this to me, she said, you know, when you exercise, what happens is if you go too hard, then the body shuts down and it moves into another, another, another frame of going, okay, we gotta, we gotta hold on to the weight here because they're, they're disturbing the peace. <laughs> so can you explain that? If you think of our bodies evolutionarily, our bodies are built for function. If they're in a time of famine or stress or war, it's going to shut down the unnecessary processes in our body like reproduction and up the other hormones that we might need to help us get through that. Um, so it's kind of that like flight or fight mode, that survival mode that our bodies go into. So if you're over exercising, it senses that and it says, okay, we're working really hard. We don't know why, but we're working really hard. So we need to shut down some of our processes, hold on to all the energy we can 
which is that food, that fat, that carb. We need to hold on to it because we're, we're going hard rather than our body saying, oh, we're at a safe place. Our body is safe. And it recognizes that when it's given food regularly, when you are giving it gentle exercise, it says, oh, we're in a safe spot so we can function normally. Be kind to yourself is what you would say. Yes. Supplements. Do you have some, I mean, you know, what are you thinking? How, how, do you, how do you teach people about this part? Well, first, you can never out-supplement your day-to-day lifestyle or diet. So that always comes first. That's your foundation is your relationship with food, that nutrition and movement. And then supplements can be a way to, well, supplement or support yeah. those changes you're trying to make. Um, So there are a couple specific ones that are particularly good for PCOS. The most researched one is inositol. So you have your myo-inositol, D-chiro-inositol, and sometimes you can find the combined version, which is what I typically recommend. Or inositol. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I thought I'd throw a little bit of levity in there. Um, but yeah, so that's probably the most researched one. Of course, there's other ones that help kind of target those different root causes we've been talking about throughout. Yeah. Inflammation, it's going to be more of like the fish oil or omega-3s, um, or even turmeric, different things like that. If you're struggling with gut health, of course, um, sometimes there's different probiotics and things that can help. It's all just very individualized though. So I always recommend talking to healthcare practitioner about going on any sort of supplement and what sort of dose is appropriate for you. And two things to, to leave us with. So when you feel like no one understands uh, that if, if a woman is taking a natural approach and no one is understanding why she's doing that, people are just going, get on the pill. You got really bad acne. Get on the pill. She doesn't want to help her. I am a strong advocate for body autonomy and being able to choose what you want to do and being given the option to choose and being saying, okay, here's a variety of options. These are the pros and cons. You get a pick and this is your body. No one else is living in it. So that is up to you 100%. And, um, yeah, going this natural route isn't always easy. It takes a lot of patience. It takes some time. But just know that you're the one that's going to be in this body forever. It's your home, which means you get to take care of it the way that you choose. What if someone's feeling discouraged? All of this hard work I am doing is not paying off. I am feeling it's just like a never-ending cycle and it's never going to end anyway. So how would I just stay discouraged? I think recognizing that that's a normal feeling, first of all, is important and saying, yes, it is hard and that is okay. PCOS is tough, but so are you and you can get through it. And just knowing that it might not ever end, but coming to that place of acceptance where you say, all right, this is what I've been dealt and I'm going to take it and do the very best I can with it. You 
ultimately get to choose. Again, you get to choose how you want to feel. And these changes are going to be beneficial no matter what. So even if you don't see the immediate results, you're still helping your body. You're still learning to build that trust and it's going to help one way or another in the long run. And what would you say to someone who is struggling with fertility? Their friends, they want a baby, they want a child and they're going, I, you know, I, they're either saying, I knew this would be the problem because I knew I was, I had a diagnosis and I'm, I knew that would be the case or I didn't know. And now I do. And this is just one more thing on the emotional pile to put here. It's a lot. And I can tell you right now, scrolling through that social media and seeing all the pictures of babies, it is disheartening. It's heartbreaking. But find people that will support you and lift you up in that time. Find people that will listen to you, even if they maybe aren't going through the exact same thing. But know that people love you and you're having your own journey. And it's okay to realize that it's hard and it sucks, but you're going to get through it one way or another. And it's going to be beautiful. So can you share with us, if you would be a little vulnerable with us, what has been the hardest part of you having PCOS? I think it's been that anxiety, especially around fertility and um, growing up saying, well, I don't know what issues I'm going to have to face dating and having to tell people, well, if you want kids, like hopefully I can have them, but I don't really know yet. And that was, that was really hard, but it um, was something that my husband and I discussed way before we got married. He knew I had PCOS and he was one of those people that would, that supported me and said, well, I love you unconditionally. We're going to get through this together. That's been really helpful and it's built our marriage and helped us come closer together. And honestly, it's given me so much. The fact that I have these struggles has given me this community of incredible people who are vulnerable with me and open up to me about their struggles and we get to listen to each other and learn from each other and grow. And that has been such a blessing in my life that I just continue to look on the bright side and try to stay positive and say, yeah, I've been dealt a hard hand and these are the things I struggle with. And it does give a lot of anxiety. It gives a lot of unknowns, but it's also blessed me with so much. It's blessed me with the ability to become more in tune with my body and to learn to love myself and to share that love with other people. and. That's been amazing. So, and what would you say to men with PCOS? Because uh, because you're just describing this now, and I just I just wrote it down because, um, as a person who wants to share their life with someone, whether you are um, the same gender, whether you are not, it doesn't matter. Lots of people want to share their lives with people, and they that spouse or partner has PCOS right along with you because it does impact this daily life. And so if it's a man or if it's a woman, what would you say to that person who feels like, wow, this is tough, especially around fertility? Yeah, Use it as a stepping stone rather than a stumbling block. Use it to bring yourselves together and put yourselves higher 
it's definitely not easy, but um, it can be a beautiful thing. And just be open, communicate, talk about it, talk about those hard days, talk about the good days and work together. Like we're all in this together. And like you said, like we struggle together. If I have PCOS, my husband has to deal with the days where I am hormonal or that I'm irritable (laughs) and have those mood swings. And we just have to talk about it. We have to talk through it and then use it as a way to bring us closer together. So my number one advice would just be, be open, find that support, give yourself people that are going to lift you up and use this as an opportunity to get closer. You know what? You are a beautiful soul. I just, wow. You have taken what has been given to you. And for, I've not met you since this is the first time. And yet I feel like I want you to know that you have been a good steward of what you've been given in your life. This is adversity. And you have turned it into something that is so powerful and creates possibility and gives hope. I want to thank you for this. This has been absolutely amazing. And you are a pleasure to talk with. And the things that you say are absolutely inspiring and beautiful. And this is so authentic and real. I am, um, I just, it's a privilege. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to share my story. I always say, my goal is to be the person that I always wish I had as a younger version of myself. At 14 years old, I wish I had been able to listen to someone who had the experience and could tell me there's hope, there's a way, it's okay. And so that's what I try to do. And I appreciate you for giving me the opportunity to do that. Well, I thank you because there are young women and there are families um, who are suffering, who are suffering. And you have just offered this candid, vulnerable, honest, and you've given tools here. And you've just, you've just given insight. Your whole Instagram is, is fabulous in terms of how you've laid it out and the information that you have. And we are going to keep coming back to you. We're going to keep reposting and keep, because I, I really, really like who you are and what you um, um, convey, the message that you convey. It's, it's so powerful. So thank you so much for walking into my life in this way. And I know this is going to change people's lives. Thank you so much. And thanks again to you. It's been amazing to be here. And I do truly feel honored to have this opportunity. Let's talk soon. Hey, will do. I have loved getting to know you and it's, it's been a joy. So I really do appreciate it.